With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Today's episode of the Planet Football Podcast is brought to you by T-Mobile. See how T-Mobile has changed the game at the 2016 T-Mobile Home Run Derby. Go to T-Mobile.com slash MLB to see how. We've got a great guest on today's Planet Football podcast. She is the head coach of the reigning World Cup champion U.S. women's national team. Her U.S. team will be aiming to win its fourth straight Olympic gold medal when the tournament starts in Brazil on August 3rd. She's Jill Ellis. Thanks for joining me, Joe. My pleasure, Grant. Good to be here. Great to be here. We're here in Chicago um, before the South Africa friendly. You've got two friendlies to go before the Olympic tournament starts. Uh, you're trying to become the first Women's World Cup winner to come back the next year and win the Olympic gold medal. Why do you think it has been so difficult for teams to do the double in the past? Is it a mental thing or something else? That, that's a great question because, uh, you know, I think we're, we're obviously, um, you know, still turning over every stone and making sure that we're ready. But, you know, I, I think the psychology piece is, is a part of it. You, you know, you get, to the, you get to the summit of your sport and then the next year it's, you know, I think repeating is hard in anything. But I think in our sport it's, um, you know, the World Cup is the the premier event. So I think uh, now getting yourself, uh, you know, back in position to do it again, um, it is a long haul. You know, you, you think about it in terms of if you go back towards World Cup qualifiers to now, it's almost two years right. of nonstop. Our players are back in the league. And so I think, I think the, yeah, the mental piece is a lot of it. Um, perhaps turnover, you know, in terms of personnel from, from one, from one group to the next, but I mean, it's, uh, yeah, there's a reason it hasn't been done, and but that's what makes it all the more exciting for us to try and do it. You were the speaker this year at the commencement ceremony was, at yeah. William & Mary, your alma mater. Yeah. Uh, I read your speech. I enjoyed it. Thank you. Um, the motto of that speech was, be bold. Yep. How will that apply to your approach to this Olympic tournament? Um, you know, I, I think the, the players that we have, um, you know, so much as a coach, you want to kind of harness the personality of your team. And, and this is a team that, that enjoy the challenge, that enjoy um, taking risks, I, I think in two ways, because one, it is pursuing history and you can't take a conservative approach to that. You know, if, you, if you're going to try and do something that's never been done, you can't always do things the way you've been doing them. Mm -hmm. So I think trying to be a little bit more innovative in terms of what we're doing, having a little bit more time to prepare. I also think, you know, having new faces on the team, um, you know, making selections that, you know, maybe haven't had that experience that can work against you. But I think for us, it's, you know, it, it's, it's exciting to pick players that we think are going to go out there and make great decisions and, you know, chase something down. And so I think it's, um, it's certainly how we want to play, but also our approach to this and even the selections we make in terms of, you know, keeping us on the front foot and investing beyond just the Olympics. Okay. Now the rosters are smaller for the Olympics. There's 18 spots compared to 23 for the World Cup. Yeah. Um, are you surprised, I guess, yourself, if I had asked you a year ago, 
or told you, I guess, that there would be several new players not on the the World Cup team that are on the Olympic team. Would that surprise you even? Um, actually, uh, probably not. Really? And, and why I say that is I think twofold. One, I think I really um, had a good sense of um, some of the players that were out there that yet hadn't broken into this environment that yeah. were talented. So I think there were players knocking on the door in terms of, you know, chasing down a spot. Um, and then, I, you know, I think also I think it, it was um, – you know, it was time to to sort of look. You know, I, when I finished the the World Cup, I, I looked at the Olympics and I said, I can either look at this as a standalone event, mm-hmm. and then if I'd have looked at it as that, it probably would have been a lot of similar uh, hmm. personnel. Or I look at it as the first major world event before the fir- next World Cup. Mm-hmm. And if we're viewing it in terms of you know World Cups, I mean, certainly we want to win, we want to be competitive in in Rio. But if we're looking at it as the big picture. Um, we want to make sure that we vet some of these players now because, you know, what we went into the World Cup with was some players that hadn't played in a major world event. Mm-hmm. So now it's it's an opportunity, you know, to get some of these players that we foresee potentially being around in 2019, um, you know, being there in terms of uh, competing. So would it surprise me that it was different? No, I think it was, you know, I, I think we were prepared to open the doors up and, and have a look and, and look at what was out there and, you know, certainly some curveballs in terms of, you know, people decide and have a baby. Right. Um, but I just knew it was going to be very competitive because I think we had a little bit more time now to to really look at other personnel. Okay. So some of these questions are for the hardcores who follow this team day by day by day. Yep. Uh, some of these questions are going to be for people who maybe who haven't watched much of your team since the World Cup. Right. What are the biggest changes uh, that, you, that people will see in the way that this team plays and also personnel-wise? Um, well, I think, you know, just in terms of, um, you know, I don't like to refer the players as young, but in terms of experience, you know, we, we think we lost probably 1,400, 1,500 caps. Um, but I also think with that, we've now got an influx of players that, um, you know, are, are very technical, um, mm-hmm. that really enjoy keeping the ball, that really, um, you know, play purposely. And, and I think it's, you know, you look at a player like Tobin, I, I think we have um, – you know, players that enjoy this movement of the ball more. And I think it's enhanced Tobin's game to have yeah. players around her. So how do we want to play? I think we're, you know, we've adjusted our shape a little bit because I think we've got a little bit more depth in terms of our attacking personnel. Um, we're, you know, the whole purpose for eventually is, is to score goals. So we still want to be purposeful in terms of we're always trying to get in behind lines or in behind a back line. But now I think we're able to, you know, move the ball um, I think more purposely. I think if you were asked the players, are we playing different? Yeah, I think we're playing different. I don't know if people perceive that, but, you know, we spent a lot of time working on, uh, you know, flank combination. Mm-hmm. I think transition, we're one of the best teams in the world. But now how can we be good in our organized attack? Can we, you know, can we break teams down? We've tried to play out more. We're, you know, and I think it's not just, you know, possession is just a tool. Mm-hmm. You know, people say, oh, I want to be a possession style. No, because you can keep the ball in the back and not go anywhere. So possession for us is something that we're trying to work through to, to get us in behind or get us scoring opportunities or get us into the final third. So I think that I think our personnel is, is probably more wired towards that. Um, and, I, you know, I think the players are enjoying the, the way we're trying to play. Alex Morgan uh, is a player who's dealt with a lot of injuries in recent yep. years. This year, she hasn't been. Yep. Um, she has 11 goals for the national team already this year. That's her first double-digit goals year already yep. since the 2012 Olympic year when she scored so many goals. Yep. Uh, 
what has she done to sort of put herself back into the discussion as one of the world's top forwards? Well, I think the initial part, what you've said, is, is she's healthy. And mm-hmm. I think Alex, you know, Alex will be the first to say, you know, for probably almost 18 months, she was battling a variety of, of different uh, injuries. And, you know, going into the World Cup, I mean, you know, I knew I was going in there with an Alex Morgan that wasn't in form. And we were just trying to get the, get the most out of her. Um, you know, and she drew penalty kicks and, and caused back lines trouble. But, you know, was it Alex playing at her highest performance? No, we knew that was ahead of her. So I think, you know, the health piece is a massive yeah. piece for her. Um, you know, I think also uh, we have players now that uh, are very, very good at, at, at final passes, playing her in. You know, what we've told Alex to really focus on is, you know, I mentioned to her there was a player way back in the day played for France named Pichon, and Pichon was one yeah. of the best players in the world at sitting between center backs and the timing of her runs and the release. Yeah. And I said to Alex, "Is you know, that's her bread and butter, is, is getting chances in behind, the timing of her run, getting in, um, you know, and stretching, stretching teams. And I think she's really focused on that. And, you know, I think her movement has gotten better. And, I, you know, I said to her, I was like, this is an area I think you can even get better and better at. And you watch some of her runs. The thing I love about it now is, you know, even if she doesn't get the service, it's an unselfish run that opens something else up. Um, but I also think a lot of her goals have, have come because she's a little bit more patient. Her movement is good. She's, she's off shoulder a little bit more and, and she's getting the service. So I think it's a combination. Certainly her... Her physical piece is a, is a part of that in terms of being healthy. Hey, everybody. Uh, we'll be back to the podcast in a moment. But first, I have a message from our sponsor, T-Mobile. With just one swing, home runs can be the ultimate game changer in a different sport, obviously. But at T-Mobile, they know how to change the game for good. T-Mobile has doubled their LTE coverage to reach 309 million Americans, which is a lot of Americans. And their extended range LTE reaches two times farther and is four times stronger in buildings than before. Just as their network has you covered, T-Mobile also has the Home Run Derby covered too. And I have to admit at this point that as a soccer person, it's taking every ounce of strength I have not to say Derby, like a Home Run Derby. Anyway, make your picks in T-Mobile's Home Run Derby Bracket Challenge at T-Mobile.com MLB for a chance to win a trip for four to Game 1 of the World Series. If you can go to a World Series game, I think you should take that opportunity. I did it last year. It was game five. I'm a Royals fan. They won. It was awesome. Okay, now for the legal stuff. LTE doubled over 2015 and 2016. No purchase necessary to enter or win. It ends on July 10th, 2016, and it's open to legal residents of the 50 U.S. states and D.C. Must be 18 or older to enter. Void where prohibited. For official rules and complete details, visit MLB.com slash bracket challenge. Now, before we get back to the podcast, I do want to say one more thing. Uh, we'll be taking a bit of a hiatus after our next show. After the Euro 2016 final, we'll have one more show where we recap all the action, talk about the tournament, talk about the game, who is good, who is bad, so on and so forth. We might have a special guest for that. Definitely tune in. Uh, but then after that, we're going to take a little bit of a break. We'll be off air for about two weeks uh, while we just regroup and think about the uh, metric ton of podcasts that we've dropped on you over the last uh, month, maybe eight weeks or so in light of all the summer tournaments. Uh, But when we come back, we want the Planet Football podcast to be uh, better, and uh, we would like for you to have a say in what we sound like going forward. So if you have anything you would like to hear on the show, whether it was a segment that we did that you liked and you would like to hear more of, if it's more reported segments, uh, specific topics you'd like for us to cover, please let us know. I'm the producer of the show. My name is Alex Abnos, and my Twitter handle is at A-N-A-B-N-O-S. That's A-N-A-B-N-O-S. 
Uh, just hit me up there. Tell me what you think. Uh, and in the meantime, please enjoy this show. I'll get you back to it right now. Thanks for listening. In terms of other important players, you've had a couple injuries. Uh, yeah. Carly Lloyd uh, has been out with a knee injury. She's just returning now to full right. strength. Uh, Megan Rapino has had a knee injury uh, that she suffered last December. She's not doing contact drills, I understand. No, she's back. She I is mean, fully yeah, back. Yeah, we, we, we trained the other day, and she was uh, without restriction, ah, which is okay. massive. Yeah, Okay. Where d- are those two players in their sort of readiness to potentially be right. players for you at the Olympics? Well, it's, uh, what I do know about both of them is they've been so diligent in terms of their physical conditioning. They are, um, you know, they're as, they're as fit you know, as, as they can be and strong. Now, obviously, there's being played in, and that's trying, you know, what we're trying to do now is to get them more played in. Um, I actually think Carly, you know, as, as unfortunate as the injury was, it, it served two purposes for me. I think, one, that little bit of rest is going to serve us well um, down in Brazil because mm-hmm. I think she will be fresh, fresher than, you know, than players perhaps that have just played 10 games in the league. Right. Um, and I also think what it's allowed me to do is to is to have a, a look at other players, and I think now we have confidence in uh, just the depth of our attacking players and mm-hmm. the versatility of our attacking players. So it's, um, you know, I think Carly will be ready. I think also, um, you know, with Megan, uh, again, I've, I've kept pretty pretty good tabs on just, you know, her updates and, and her recovery, and, uh, you know, I, my hope is if we go through the rest of this camp and I get to see her, um, you know, playing in and, and feel good about it, um, you know, I think she has a good shot. We're still a month away, 30 days or 29 days away yeah. from our first game. So, uh, you know, I, I have some decisions to make here right at the end of camp. But, um, you know, Megan, is Megan going to be a player that can play 90 minutes every game? Of course not. You know, she's, she's not going to be to that point but is she a player that can come in and and give us a half or start a half or close out a game and you know her value and quality yeah potentially Mm. so uh, you know it's it's good to see now she's in the mix for sure yeah are you settled on your starting 11 how close are you to that um you know it's tough right now because you know Tobin's out and and Morgan Bryan's out and 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 Carly you know we're just bringing her back so I think um I actually think, you know, what I what I believe is we've got 14 starters mm-hmm. and this is going to be even more physically demanding. You know, we talked about seven games on turf. Now it's it's six games, but it's travel, it's heat and it's less time in between and less less personnel. So I, I really feel good. Um, I think as a coach for me, it's 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 certainly starting a game and people put a whole lot of weight on the starters. But you also want to think about how you finish games because these mm-hmm. games will be tight. And so, you know, as a coach, you can't just have a 45-minute game plan. You've got to have a 90-plus-minute game plan. Mm. And so sometimes that is looking at personnel that you bring in. Um, so I think that's, you know, that's something I think our players understand that, uh, you know, we've got probably 14 or 15 players that could, could step on and start and have in the past six months and done mm. very well. Um, but I think you know, the biggest thing, Grant, is, is we're, we're moving towards, uh, you know, an understanding in how we want to play. And um, I think the players – you know, are embracing that. And that's exciting for a coach. Your group in the Olympics is New Zealand, France, Colombia. Yep. You have some familiarity with these teams in yep. recent years. What are the biggest challenges that each one provides? 
Yeah, that's a great question because they're all they're all really different. Um, and you know, the interesting thing is, and you know, even if you look at euros, there's there was there was less transition in euros. You know, and and I think it's it's you know, are there trends that are going to be in our game where teams are either going to attack and then sit back and defend, or you know, is is the games going to be as open? Mm. Um, I think France is going to be a, a more open game because of who they are. I think you know, Colombia potentially, you know, sit low and 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 present that challenge. So you're going to get different different feels in mm. these first three games. New Zealand, um, you know, are they going to want to – it's our first game. Are they want to, going to want to try and get a point out of it and maybe be conservative? Potentially. Yeah. So I think tactics become uh, an even more intriguing part in, in this. And, you know, it, you can't – you can't just you've, – you've got to be able to break down a, a low block. And, listen, even at the Euros, you see how hard it is to do when a team parks the bus and gets, you know, 10 behind the yeah. ball. So it's a challenge for us. So I think we've got to be prepared – um, tactically to to, to, be, to face very different scenarios even in these first three games. Okay. Um, Germany, France, Sweden, Australia, China, Canada, Brazil are all in this tournament. Yeah. Uh, Japan is not, which right. will surprise a lot of people. Yep. Uh, they had some surprises in Asian qualifying. Australia was very good. China's back. Yep. Um, who are the, the, the biggest gold medal contenders of that group I mentioned yep. before that will be there? Well, you know, I think the host has a, you know, has a huge advantage. You yeah. know, they, 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 every fan, I mean, you know, I'm not sure how many fans will have there, but, but certainly, I mean, you know, Brazil has to be in the, in the conversation, um, you know, used to the climate, used to the, you know, the, the, the venues, um, and obviously with a big home fan support. So I think that, you know, they're a team that, um, you know, and probably will feel a bit of pressure maybe like their, you know, yeah. their, their brethren did in the, in the men's world cup. Um, you know, and, and you can just never underestimate. I mean, Germany, I don't think, was at the last Olympics. Right. Um, so, you know, they've got something to prove there in a little bit of a transition too, I think, with, with personnel. Mm -hmm. um, I actually think we'll probably have the highest changes, number of changes in our roster than probably most of these teams that were in the hmm. World Cup, I would imagine. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't see Australia being that much different in terms of their personnel or, um, you know, even Germany. So, you know, France, Germany, the usual suspects. I think Australia is, you know, a team that's brimming with confidence. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I think uh, you can't ever, you know, underestimate the, the Asian countries that, you know, just do so well in terms of keeping the ball. You know, China is. They're a tough team to beat. They might not create a whole lot of chances, but they're hard to break down. They're tough to beat. So a lot of, you know, it's, it's a more concentrated group, certainly, than, than, than the World Cup because it's less teams. And in the, in terms of just every game is big, yeah. There's obviously a couple of teams in there that aren't used to being at that. They're debutantes for the yeah. World Cup, but other than that, there's a lot of seasoned teams in there. Why are there only twelve teams in the women's tournament? Because there are there yeah. are more in the men's well, tournament. For sure. Well, that would probably be. Side. I'm guessing finances and an IOC question. <laughs> I mean, yeah, fight that battle another Yeah, day. no, I hear you. It's just it, you know, it was very cool at the World Cup to see twenty four teams. And, Fantastic, and, and you know, and there was a couple of big lopsided scores, but overall, you're gonna right. you're gonna expect that when you're trying to grow the game. And yeah. so, it, it in truth, it's a little disappointing that we can't open this game up because because where I think our women's game is now, I think it is the global global sport for women mm. and uh, so I'd love to see the Olympics get on board with that and, and make it uh, more teams. In general terms at FIFA these days with all the changes there the reforms they voted in earlier this year did have a pretty big women's soccer component right? Um, and including a more just women in football right. component in leadership. Do you buy what's happening there with their changes in women's soccer? Do you see things happening? 
Um, I'm, I'm a bit cautious in terms of is it too early right now to, yeah. to, to, to judge that. I mean, certainly in name, it's, uh, there's, you know, there's things I know that, you know, most recently a couple of our coaches from this country were in a leadership summit purely for women. So I think that these, um, these are good things, you know, yeah. that are happening. Um, what is going to be the ramifications? You know, are there women in positions? Are their votes going to count? You know, or yeah. is, is it kind of going to get to that point? I hope. Um, but, but I think overall the transparency, you know, now the lens that is on FIFA, they have to be so more transparent. And I think that's the positive fallout in terms of, you know, there's not going to be hopefully as many backdoor deals and, you know, and, and hopefully the women's game will grow. And so if it's funding allocated for CONCACAF for women, it gets to these teams. Lastly, I, I have a question. There's a great mystery out there, and that is the notebook that you write on during games. <laughs> what are you writing in this notebook? What am I writing? Yeah. Um, well, I, you, well, if you're really clued in, I only usually use it at halftime. I mean, until the half, and then the second <laughs> half, I don't write anything in, right? So it's it's just notes for the, for halftime. Um, it's not my laundry list. It's not my grocery list. Um, no, it's usually what it's real simple. It's I, I when I go in to talk to them, it's a couple things attacking, couple things defending. Yeah. Just to, you know, just for the for the memory. You know, you're watching the game. And there's so many things happening. What are the what are a couple of two or three key things that we that can help us in the second half? So. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not my... Uh... Now we know. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Jill Ellis, thank you very much. You're Good welcome. luck in the Olympics. Thanks, Grant. Do you know about the Locked On Podcast Network? The number one daily sports podcast network. Locked On has a daily podcast on every NBA and NFL team, plus a growing lineup of college and MLB teams. You get a daily bite-sized podcast giving you the latest on your team from the local experts. Lakers fans, search Locked On Lakers. Cowboys fans, search Locked On Cowboys. Just search Locked On, your favorite team, on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, or tell your smart speaker to play podcast Locked On, your favorite team. Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.